0: To another audio podcast from Christchurch Christian Center.
1: chapter four. I won't read the whole chapter, just a little bit of it. <clears throat> Starting at verse six. It says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tabarah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs in Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Amen. Now, <clears throat> most of us, I guess, would know what the book of Nehemiah is about, but just very briefly, it's really about the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem was severely damaged uh, by the enemies of God's people um, and the people, most of the people carried away into exile uh, in what is today called Iraq. And um, there's there's a lovely map. Thank you, Josh. And I just thought, you know, to give you some idea... When Nehemiah was called by God to do this amazing job of rebuilding Jerusalem, Nehemiah was living in Iran. And uh, the, the colors aren't all that great. I'm gonna go, I'll just go up there, okay? So, okay? And uh, he couldn't go by plane or anything like that. He had to walk, basically, or maybe he had a donkey or something. But he travelled all that way, thanks Josh, you can take that away, to be involved in rebuilding the walls. And last week, when we looked at this, I, I emphasised that he was a, a man, a practical man, a man of faith, prayer, a practical man. And as the walls were going up, this threat came. And it was very real, the uh, enemy is always attacking God's people, isn't he? But thank God, Jesus Christ is victor. So the scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't kind of hunker down. Don't kind of just say, right, I've got to to make sure the devil can't get me. Stand up and resist him by faith, through prayer, in the name of Jesus. That's the way we're supposed to be with the devil and with all other bullies, really. Stand up and resist. So that's what they were doing. The threat was real. These people... If they could have attacked, they would have killed uh, the folk who were working on the wall, and by killing them, they would have stopped the work. So, So Nehemiah, very practical, he said, look, the lowest points are the most vulnerable points. I'll put some extra people there, and I'll put them in family groups, and I'll get them to defend that spot while this threat's immediately present. And then after the threat kind of passed away, verse 15 says the enemy found out that we, we discovered their plans, and so we went back to work. Even when the threat had gone, they still kept the, their weapons ready uh, to go to battle if they had to, as they continued to build the wall. And what I did last week, I just said, um, as a church, and any church, all churches are the same, you know, when I say this, don't think, oh, terrible. As a church, there are lower points in the wall. There are bits that need extra work. It's the same for any church, Whatever, however successful it may be. There are bits that need attention. And it's important always to be honest before God and say, we will give attention to the bits that need attention. So that's what we're doing this year. We've started, we are attending to the issue of prayer. We are, I've, I've told you often from the pulpit, we want a solid prayer base because as we go out with the gospel, we want to make sure that we've, we've prayed it up, we're ready to go, we're walking with God, and he can use us, with, that we're vessels fit for his use. That's what we're after. So in a few minutes, Heather's going to come and say something about uh, prayer and the future of the church. And I said, let's, let's look at this as a, an issue of prayer. One of the lower points in, in the makeup of us as a church is our prayer life. Uh, as directed towards seeing people coming to know Jesus Christ. And then I also said, uh, and while you're at it, why not have a look at the lowest part, the lowest point in your life, the bit that you know needs work on, and and get kind of down behind that and start to pray into that and ask God to help you see that built up. Because he'll build us up. God's in the business of building up, isn't he? He's in the business of gathering the exiles and restoring Jerusalem, as the psalm I read earlier says. And here, God's in the business of building up. That's why he put his hand on Nehemiah. And before, we, um, before Heather comes along to just chat with us briefly about prayer, I just want us to look at Nehemiah. First of all, just a couple of things, or four or five things about Nehemiah. The first thing I want to say is this, that God touched his heart. If you look in Nehemiah chapter 1 when the news came to Nehemiah verse 4 says this when I heard these things I sat down and wept for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven then I said you know when the news came to Nehemiah he said what's what's the place like what's what states it in it's terrible the walls broken down etc etc he, his heart was touched by God and, and his response was to weep and to pray. And out of that setting, God used him to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild its walls. But first of all, God touched his heart. Now, I put my hand up this morning and I'll say, God has touched my heart. And most of you will be able to put your hand up and say, God touched my heart too. He brought me to know him, but he's also put inside me a, a concern for people who don't know Jesus Christ. Because we want them in heaven, not hell. And in the week, I, my heart was touched by a picture. Could be that other picture, Josh? This picture, this is a girlie. You can't, probably can't read it. Her head is saying, my mum's going to kill me. And her tummy, obviously she's expecting a baby, is saying, my mum's going to kill me. And it's an anti-abortion picture. And, and as Christians, we're not pro-abortion, we're pro-life. But, you know, that touched my heart because I looked at that picture and I thought, yes, it's not every, every expectant mum that's heartless that goes for abortion. Some of them are in terrible turmoil, terrible dilemma. We know it's not right, but our heart has to go out for them too. And when I saw that picture, I was really touched because I thought, what about the girl? What about the mum? Yes, the baby, but what about the mum? She needs help too. And so the verse from Nehemiah, I looked these things over i stood up and said to the nobles the officials the rest of the people don't be afraid of them remember the lord is great and awesome and fight for your brothers your sons and your daughters your wives and your homes god touched this man's heart to do something about it and we are we want to see people coming to know jesus there are, you can kill it now um, or close it down now there are people out there who do not know jesus christ who are lost and their life, they, they're wandering all over the show. They, they just, they've got no purpose in life. They don't know about God. And God's got to touch our hearts. Do you know, we, we've got a lot going on in our program here to help us introduce Jesus to people. And that's good. And that's wholesome. But there's something in the realm of prayer that God's got to do within us. Got to touch our hearts at some level. You know, we sing that song, don't we? Teach me. Uh, Lord, break my heart for that, those things that break your heart. Lord, touch our hearts. Or Jesus, as we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus was moved with compassion on numerous occasions. It says, he saw the crowd and he was moved with compassion. His heart went out to them. And Nehemiah's heart went out when he heard that news. And so God got hold of him. And I would say to us, maybe... In our quiet time with God, we might need to say, God, would you touch my heart in a bigger way? Last week when Dudley spoke, and last Sunday evening from Isaiah 6, he said very, very boldly, he told us very boldly, he spent six months as a young man on his knees praying through Isaiah 6 until God reduced him to the place where he said, Here am I, send me. You know god 's got to do something inside our hearts, really, I think, to see this generation one for jesus that 's not to say you haven 't been doing it it 's not to say you aren 't concerned we are concerned, deeply concerned, but I think there 's something else God wants to do inside each one of us and then God sent Nehemiah to care, second chapter. Verse 10 puts it like this. The enemy, when Sambalat, the the Oronite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, that somebody had come. They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. God sent Nehemiah to bring change and restoration. God sent him to care, to do something, and God sent us too. You know, if I, if I took a straw poll this morning and said, were you born in Christchurch? Are you a local person? Some of you might say yes. But nearly everybody here would say, no, I came from so-and-so. I've come to this place. I've come to this place. I've come here. And God's brought us here because he cares, and he's brought us here to care as well. Jesus, the Bible tells us, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, there was a day when Jesus was walking down the high street, as it were, and a short man who couldn't see through the crowds had climbed a tree to see Jesus. And when Jesus got underneath the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Jesus stopped on his way because he cared about that man. Jesus came from heaven to earth because he cares about us. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary because he cares about you. His blood was shed because he cares and he indwells us and my prayer is god would you share your heart with us you came to seek and to save send us lord to seek and to save and we're doing that but father will you help us do it better and i believe the key to seeing us do it better is to pray and to pray and to pray always to be praying that god will be using us and then Nehemiah just briefly because time's rushing by, and Nehemiah, very clearly, God was with this man. In verse 8 of chapter 2, it says, The king said to me, What is it? Sorry, this is verse 4. What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and spoke to the king. And he told the king what's on his heart. And he said, Will you let me go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city? And verse 8, May I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city all and for the residents I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. God was with him. This morning, God is with us. It's evident to anybody who stops to take notice, this building is being put back together. There is life in this place. I've told you before and I'll tell you again because it bears repeating. Years ago, I I parked around the corner here, And as I walked along Millen Street, I looked up at this building, and I just said to God, why is that place in such a state? And immediately into my mind came this, because the life has gone out of it. It was as though God spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was a thought that was crystal clear. And immediately I said, then God put the life back in it. And there's life back in this place. And this building is a prophetic statement that God is still alive, And building his church and fixing what had deteriorated. And God will fix lives. People can come to God at any time today. And they can find a new life in Jesus Christ. You know, your life could be like this building was, falling apart, literally. About to collapse. God can come into your life through Jesus and give you a new start. That is good news! It's true as well. Jesus died, and he rose from the dead. He's alive to give you new life. And he cares. And he was with Nehemiah, and he is with us. There's evidence of it. We've had that testimony this morning. Absolutely crystal clear testimony that God is with us. Evidence everywhere. And he was with Jesus, of course. Everywhere that Jesus went, the Spirit of God was upon him. And he went about doing good, and he went about releasing people who were oppressed by the devil. He drove out demons, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, and he proved and preached that the kingdom of God has come to us. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is with us by his spirit this very day. The evidence that God was with Jesus was supremely uh, shown by the resurrection from the dead. Buried, but raised to life on the third day by God. And we praise God for that. So God was with Nehemiah, and God gave the man endurance and practical insight, and he kept him on track until the job was done. Well, for us too. Uh, God does give us insight, gives us practical instruction, and he's kept us going, and by his grace we'll see the job finished, which isn't the building, that's just part of it. The pews are going. We're starting over there this month. So it's going to be tighter in the middle. That's good, isn't it? We'll start to believe it's finished when it's full of people who've come to know Jesus. And then when it's full of people who've come to know Jesus, we'll see what God will do next. God is with us because he cares. Now, Heather, would you come along, please, and just talk to us a bit about prayer see building up the lowest place is developing a fresh prayer initiative among us so i asked heather to be our prayer coordinator and she said she will
0: thank you, Thanks. Thank you. um yes ralph, ralph said he's asked me to coordinate prayer and when i first started praying about this and thinking about it i thought well We need prayer groups, more prayer groups. We've already got some, thank God, but we need more. And when I spoke to Ralph about it, he said, oh, we'll talk to Terry, which I did. And apparently when we were in the other building in Jumpers Road, probably before you even knew about this building, was it, yeah? Terry had a vision, no, a a dream, and she was standing in a balcony looking down on a church that was absolutely packed out with people, young families and lots and lots of folk, And it was a light building, so it probably was this building. And um, she saw or felt in her spirit that it was undergirded by small prayer groups. And so I feel maybe now is the time that we need to get these small prayer groups going. And the Lord keeps saying to me, seek my face, seek my face. And I, I was also praying about that, and Ralph really feels that's for the church, that we've got to seek him. And the other thing the Lord says to me is that, you're going to see my glory. So that, you know, There's as we seek him, he's going to move. The things in Isaiah 35 that he gave me 14 years ago when we first moved in here. 14 years is quite significant, isn't it? Because it's the time Jacob worked for Rachel because he loved her. And, you know, we're going to see these wonderful promises coming to pass. We're going to see the desert blossoming as the rose. We're going to see the glory of the Lord. We're going to see healing. We're going to see... The thirsty land becomes springs of water. We're going to see a highway of holiness. We're going to see backsliders coming back. But, you know, the Lord is calling us to seek him in little groups. It won't be anything very onerous. We we need to show him that we are willing to pay the price to see this place filled and that we will bear the price, too, of having it filled. remember Wynne Lewis saying that revival, move of God, is messy business because baby Christians come with all sorts of problems. So God is looking to us to commit ourselves to prayer and also to be willing to uphold these folk that he sends in. Okay, so on a practical note, um, what we envisage is to have small groups of between two and six people, um, probably to meet during the week, um, each week, Maybe in the morning or afternoon, because many of you are retired. But obviously, the ones that are working just have to talk to them about it. Um, it's going to be divided into three sections. The first part of prayer will be to do with the church and seeking God for his move here. Um, and the second area will be on national, international matters as well as missions and evangelism. And again, what we'll do is give you some guidance on those things so that you won't be floundering around wondering what to pray for today. Third section will be for personal prayer needs. So you know a lot of us have family, friends we want to pray for and we've heard some wonderful testimonies of what God's doing in people's families. So and it's very easy isn't it if there's only three four people to pray for each other in depth and so that's what we're looking to do and What I thought you could do is to pray and think about it this week. And then next week we've got lunch together, I think, haven't we? And I'll come round and talk to to you and see if you're willing to be part of a group. Okay? Thank
1: you. Thank you very much, Heather. Yes, we have a bring and share lunch next week, so that would be a great time to talk to Heather about getting involved in a prayer group. Now, time's rushing by, so I just want to bring what I've got to say to a conclusion. <clears throat> and it's going back to Nehemiah 4, verses 14, uh, 13 and 14. So I'll read them to you again. It says, Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And I want us to include in our praying, we're meeting alternate Wednesdays as I've said, but I really want us to pray for our families. We've we've shown much concern and do show concern for those outside, but I want us to pray for our families too. And uh, one of the things... That's really spurred me on. We were praying like this before Christmas, but one of the things that spurred me on—I um, I don't have a telly at home. Most of you know that, but occasionally I watch the iPlayer, and uh, we we uh, we were watching. We were looking for a programme to watch, and I think Terry, I think it was Terry who backslid. No. Uh, she said to me, "Let's let's watch Top of the Pops. We we never watch that. Let's see what's going on."